0: Years ago, uh, State Farm Insurance Company, they put together a lot of data about uh, dangerous intersections in the United States. And they found this intersection in Addison, Texas that was Beltline Road and Midway Road. They had 263 accidents a year at this one little crossroads. That's about five a week. Can you learn how to drive Addison, Texas? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what what are we doing here? But the reason I say that is, life brings us to crossroads all the time. Decisions we have to make, temptations, difficulties, trials, struggles. We come to these crossroads. How are we going to survive the crossroads of life? It takes wisdom. We need the wisdom of the Lord to survive these crossroads. We need wisdom in relationships. You need wisdom in your marriage, your family, your parenting, your job. Every part of our life is a longing for wisdom, and that's what we need. In making key decisions, in finding direction for your life, you need wisdom. We need wisdom. Life just creates this demand for wisdom, and for most of us if we we probably have the fill in the blank here of if I could go back in time I would have done fill in the blank but at the time you didn't have the wisdom to make those des- the right decision or maybe it's go back in time and I wouldn't have done this or that you fill in the blank there it's the need of wisdom but we learn from our experiences how many know you know, making a bad decision can be a tool of learning in your life. You learn from your experiences and then we learn from the experience of others as well. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom and it's one of the, what we call the poetry or wisdom books. And there's, I would encourage every young person in here, if you don't have, haven't created a habit of reading scripture, start tomorrow by reading the book of Proverbs. Read one a day. There's 31 Proverbs. You'd be done with the whole book of Proverbs in one month. The, the book of Proverbs is about how do we get along with others? How do we get character formed in us that's, that's godly and, and godlike? It says in Proverbs 3.13, blessed is a person who finds wisdom and one who obtains Understanding. Wisdom is not your IQ or your education or any of that. Wisdom, I gave a definition, wisdom is knowledge with understanding. Wisdom is interpreting life from God's perspective. A wise person is able to see themselves, others, have a worldview from God's perspective rather than being left on our own. That's what wisdom is. So how do, we, how do we get wisdom? Well, King David wrote in Psalm 111, he says, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who follow his commandments have a good understanding. His praise endures forever." And then his son, Solomon, who wrote the majority of the Proverbs, he says, echoes the same thing. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see this theme of the the fear of the Lord. And then in Proverbs 3, 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil in genesis 3 adam and eve they were given stewardship over the garden to make it be fruitful and multiply make it grow and god set boundaries one little boundary in there he said eat of any of the trees in the garden but don't eat of this one tree called the the knowledge of good and evil i'm reserving that for myself he said if you do eat of it you'll die well what happened to to adam and Eve? They got duped by the serpent to be wise in their own eyes. And they didn't fear the Lord. They began to have this darkness come over their minds that that God somehow couldn't be trusted and that you can't trust his word. And what happened? We know they ate. And then death entered into the human race. It's the fall of Adam. Jesus, thankfully, as we're going to celebrate in communion today, he came to undo that fall. He did that for us. But when it comes to a definition for of the fear of the Lord, I think Tim Mackey from the Bible Project has the best definition I've ever heard. And it's this, that the fear of the Lord is a healthy respect for what God says is good and evil and right and wrong. I like that. The fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of God. It's to trust God, be in awe of who he is, and that he loves us so much, he's going to set boundaries in our life of what's right and wrong and what's good and evil. And when we walk in his way, we're going to find life. We'll find truth. We'll find hope. So we're in a a series right now uh, called Promises, Promises. And we're just going chapter by chapter through Second Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. We know he actually wrote four letters, but this is the second one that we have that, that was kept. And in Second Corinthians one twenty, he says no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes, in Jesus. All the great things God promised of eternal life and joy and peace and forgiveness is found in the person of Jesus and what he did for us. And then he goes on to say, and by us, the amen is spoken, the so be it. We speak back to God, say, yes, I'm trusting your son. Yes, I'm receiving your promises. And so each week we've been looking at at a promise. This week is the promise of wisdom. How many need wisdom? double barrel. We all need. Pray for wisdom every day. The book of James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God to give it to you. He'll pour it out on you liberally. God is waiting to answer your need of wisdom. And it's aligning our hearts, our disposition towards him and saying, God, Father, you know what's best. Remember that old show? Anybody? I'm too young to remember that show, but you guys just dated yourself. But um, there was a show, uh, was it black and white? It was back in the black and white days, you know, when people didn't have color. But it was a show called Father Knows Best. How true is that? Your heavenly Father loves you. He loves you. And he wants what's best for your life. He wants what's best for your life. So in chapter 6, as I was studying, I see a wise man named Paul who had plenty of ups and downs in, in his own life, who had, had spent you know, so much time with Jesus, Jesus downloading the gospel to him, his relationship with Jesus, to go out and be a herald of the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And so I'm, we're gonna glean from the wisdom of Paul today on how, how to live a wise life. How many wanna live a wise life? Man, man. Wisdom is what we need, so I, I I broke this chapter down into three simple points for us, and the first thing we 're going to see is you need to heed the present moment heed not the Scottish character from what was the movie, so I married an axe murderer And called him heed he's, heed is so big, not head heed to heed h e e d heed is giving careful attention to something. It's paying careful attention. You heed instructions. You heed warnings. You pay careful attention to it. In chapter 5, as we talked last week on the promise of reconciliation, Paul just laid out the pureness of the gospel and what Jesus did on behalf behalf of humanity. And so in chapter 6, he says this. He begins, mind you, that Paul didn't write in chapters or verses. We put those in later, but as he continues his thought, he says, we are workers together with God. So we beg you, don't let the grace that you receive from God be for nothing or be in vain. He's quoting Isaiah 49, 8 here. He says, God says, I heard you at the right time and I gave you help on the day of salvation. I tell you that the right time is now. The day of salvation is now. Heed the present moment is what he's saying. Today's the day for salvation. Don't put off following Jesus until you're older, young people. Follow him now. It's the best life. It's not the easiest life, but following Jesus is the best life. Follow him now. Today's the day to put your hope, your trust in him. Don't put off receiving grace, Paul's saying here. Wisdom says, give Jesus your allegiance and watch what he does with your life because you already have his allegiance. Most people don't live in that understanding. Jesus pledged his allegiance to you by his life, death, and resurrection. Now he wants us to follow him. And maybe even in a practical way, maybe you've put your hope and trust in the grace of Jesus. And you know today is the day of salvation. But is there something in your life that, that God has put a nudged you a little bit? And says, I want, you to, I want you to do this or I want you to do that. I know for me personally, every year I pray for a word that will define uh, my year. I've been doing this for years. And I think last year's the first time I actually really lived in that word. This is just being honest with you. This year, um, my word was enjoy. And what I felt the Lord wanted for me was enjoy each moment that you have. Heed the moment. Tomorrow will take care of itself, and you're not even guaranteed tomorrow. So do today. Don't put off to tomorrow what I need to do today. You might think, well, how is that? enjoy. That sounds like being productive. Well, I thought maybe productive is supposed to be the word that I'm, I'm supposed to have. And I told it to to Janelle, she was like, no, that's not you. (laughs) It's like True that. But then as I prayed about it, I realized that in to be the things that I want to be productive about are, are vision things that I've had for years that I'm actually putting into practice this year. And you'll hear about it as things come about. I'm enjoying being productive because these things that I'm, I'm putting into practice are actually bring true joy into my life. Life goes by fast. James, Jesus's half-brother, who I've already, already quoted, he says, your life is but a mist and a vapor. Like, don't brag about what we're gonna do tomorrow. Because you don't know. Now, he's not saying your life is insignificant by saying that. He's just saying the reality is time goes by fast, right? And and it really does. When I turned 50, I was gonna write a book called I Blinked and I'm 50. I'm 56 now, so it's been six years in the work there. Uh, Kenny Chesney, the great philosopher, right? He wrote the song Don't Blink that song is powerful. It's a, from the perspective of a guy who's a hundred something years old and they're saying, what's the secret to life? And he says, don't blink. Cause boom, boom, boom. i always told our kids when they were in school that, um, while you're in school, it seems to take forever. Am I right? People in school, but once you graduate high school, you wake up and you're 30. You blink, you're 30. You blink, you're 40. You blink, you're, it's just boom, 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 boom. Clickety, clickety, clack. They're putting you in a home, right? That's how fast this train goes down the track sometimes. So heed the present moment. That's what wisdom would say. And then wisdom would say this, handle hardships with hope. Handle hardships with hope. Paul in second Corinthians is writing from the perspective of a man who's had his heart broken by the Corinthian church. He gave his heart and soul to the Corinthian church. He spent a year and a half loving and nurturing and discipling them. And then they allowed some false teachers to come in behind Paul to defame his character. And he's writing this letter, kind of defending himself. And there's a couple parts in Second Corinthians. He's like, I'm out of my mind having to even remind you of how much I poured in to you guys. But he does such a good job of handling this defamation of his character and his ministry. And, he, and the, the hardships Paul went through, prison, beatings, persecution. I mean, he ultimately was beheaded by Rome for preaching the gospel. And for saying that Jesus was was the king. He says this, we don't want people to find anything wrong with our work. So we do nothing that will be a problem to others. But in every way, we show that we are servants of God. We never give up, even though we face troubles, difficulties, and problems of every kind. We are beaten and thrown into prison. People get upset at us and fight against us. We work hard, and sometimes we get no sleep or food. We show that we are God's servants by our pure lives, by our understanding, by our patience, and by our kindness. We show it by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by speaking the truth, and by depending on God's power. This right way of living has prepared us to defend ourselves against every kind of attack. Some people honor us, but others shame us. Some people say good things about us, but others say bad things. Some people say we're liars, but we speak the truth. To some people, we are not known, but we are well known. We seem to be dying, but look, we continue to live. We are punished, but we are not killed. We have much sadness, but we are always rejoicing. We are poor, but we are making many people rich in faith. We have nothing, but really, we have everything. We have spoken freely to you, people in Corinth. We have opened our hearts to you. Our feelings of love for you have not stopped. It is you who have stopped your feelings of love for us. I speak to you as if you were my children. Do the same as we, we have done. Open your hearts also. That's a brother who's been through some pain. He realizes that life hurts but God heals. Life hurts, but the gospel heals. How could Paul go through all of this? How can you go through the stuff you go through? It's hope. Hope is the one thing that keeps us away, uh, getting out of bed every day, keeps us going. The hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. And wisdom says, handle your hardships with hope. What is hope? Hope is the confident expectation of God's faithfulness. That's what hope is. It's not a a hope in my circumstances or people per se. It's God, you will be faithful to keep all those promises that are yes in Christ. That's what our hope is built on. That can't be taken away from you. People can be taken away, money, possessions, careers, not Jesus. And not the peace and joy and hope that we have because of him. Every time you get into a hardship or a trial of some kind, physically, relationally, whatever, those hardships are just mile markers on your way to the day where Jesus sets every wrong right. That day is coming. We're not there he there yet. He came the first time to deal with sin, death, and the evil one. He didn't come to overthrow Rome or solve every world problem. He came to solve the problem of sin, death, and the evil one. And he did that. He's victorious. And we live in that victory by faith and by hope. And we can face the day and face hardships because, God, I'm confident you're going to be faithful to your word. And then wisdom would say this Honor God in all you do The person that desires to honor God in all that they do is going to be a wise person It's no secret to anybody who knows Janelle and I that we've kind of fallen in love with golf right And it's it's fun I stink still, but she's getting pretty good. So I'm just kind of driving her around on the course while she practices her shots. But um, in golf, I had this revelation the other day. Golf is so much better. It's so much more fun when you're in the fairway. When your ball is in the fairway, I don't care how far you hit your tee shot. If you're in the fairway, for the most part... You're going to be having a lot more fun when your ball is out of bounds. That's no bueno. That's not fun. That's a pain in the rear to be hitting from dirt and rocks and whatever behind a tree, or it's just it's just not as fun when you're out of bounds. Well, God, life is a lot. Life, God has set it up where life is a lot like what I just explained to you. God set boundaries to life back to the fear of the Lord that God defines gets to define what's good and evil and right and wrong. And he has set boundaries for his kids to live within because he's a good father and because father knows best. And so when we're living life to honor God and to do things his way, we're in the fairway so to speak. But when we choose to do things our own way and be wise in our own eyes, we're out of bounds. And life's just not going good when we try to do things our own way. So learning to honor God in all we do is so, so important. And honoring God isn't a set of do's and don'ts and lists. Don't ever reduce your relationship with God to that. Was I a good boy or a good girl today? No, it's God, I love you. I want my life to honor you because you love me. That's what we're talking about here. I'm going to read the rest of this passage and then have to give some context because it can be a little confusing without, um, you know, some digging in a little bit. He says to the Corinthians, you're not the same as those who don't believe. So don't join yourselves to them. Good and evil don't belong together. Light and darkness cannot share the same room. How can there be any unity between Christ and the devil? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? God's temple cannot have anything to do with idols. And we are the temple of the living God. Begins to quote uh, the prophet Isaiah. As God said, I will live with them and walk with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So come away from these people and separate yourselves from them says the Lord. Don't touch anything that is not clean and I will accept you. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord, all powerful. He is not saying for you and I to not hang out with unbelievers. Because what did Jesus do? He was the friend of sinners. He he was always around broken people. What Paul has in mind, because it, when you understand the context of these letters to the Corinthians, is he's saying the way of the world is one way, and the way of the kingdom of Jesus is the opposite. The way of this world is selfishness, running people over to get ahead. It's all about self, and, and I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my bag, as they've been saying lately get your bag. That's a bag of money for those you don't know what I'm talking about. If you're not hip like me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> hold on. Get back here. Um, where was I? Oh, the ways, of, the ways of the world is selfishness. The way of the kingdom of Jesus is selflessness. It's self-denial. It's forgiving, it doesn't hold grudges. It's, it's the fruit of the spirit. It's the definition of love. They're at odds with each other. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's not saying don't have friends who aren't believers or, or any of that. He says in First Corinthians, you'd have to leave the world if that were the case. But God loves unbelievers. You know that, right? Deeply. They need to be awakened to the good news of Jesus. So that's what he means there. So, honoring God in all that we do is what he means here. They were they were taking each other. The Corinthian believers were taking each other to court over law in lawsuits before judges and magistrates who worship Zeus and, and other you know gods. He's saying, don't do that. Like you you the ch- the church the believers settle your your disputes together not taking it before somebody who's not following jesus or following the way of jesus it's important that we understand that and as i was thinking about this i was thinking about the convicting state this convicting question do we do i do you honor god when no one's looking It's easy to honor God in front of other people. There's a built-in accountability to that. But when, I think God is really honored when you could fudge a number on your taxes and no one would ever know. You could use that extra hundred bucks, whatever. But you do what's right before the Lord. Uh, Any kind of small thing, Lord, I I want to honor you. I don't want to take a shortcut. I want to walk with integrity. I want to walk like Jesus walked because Jesus is our, he's our rabbi. He's the one, he's our savior, our Lord, and he's our teacher. And he he led the perfect uh, life of integrity and honored his father in everything. He lived his life to honor the father. I want to do that. I know you do too. Let's stand together. we're going to take communion here in just a second. But I want to read to you from the prophet Isaiah, who penned these words about 600 years before Jesus came to fulfill them. This is about Jesus Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of the the parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, not his father, but of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their, hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our grief, griefs he himself bore, and our sorrow he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people, to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. That was written 600 years before Jesus went through that. And you can go through that passage and realize it's the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus on the cross, and then it's his resurrection and ascension, all prophesied. And he did that for us, poured out his life. That's what we're going to celebrate this morning as we celebrate the bread and the juice and do what Jesus told us to do, to remember what he's done, have that constant reminder for each of us. If today you've never come into agreement with Jesus about who he is, that he is Savior, he is Lord today, today's the day to do that. Agree with him, that's faith. And then follow him as his disciple. So we're going to sing as we come and get the communion elements. You can come this way. And then there's some elements uh, in the back as well, if that makes it easier for some of you. Grab the elements, go back to your seat. And after we're done with this song, we will take it together.
1: heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God
0: apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This bread represents his body. That was brutally beaten and crucified to a cross. And he wants us to remember what he went through in submitting himself to death to free us from sin, death, and the evil one. Let's remember that as we take the bread. in the same way he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes the cup of the new covenant the blood in the new covenant, no more bulls and, and lambs and animals. He was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices on our behalf. Let's remember that together as we take that. Lord, In this room and watching online, there are many seasons represented in life, in experiences, needs, desires, situations. As we face the day, as we face this new week, may we face it with the assurance of you, Lord Jesus, that you are our hope. And we ask you today to pour your wisdom out upon us. Pour your wisdom on each situation. God, call to our minds right now the, the area in life that we need wisdom in making choices what direction to go, relational wisdom. May God pour out his, his wisdom upon you so that you know how to honor him in your decisions and to trust him, to take him at his word. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for laying down your life for us. And Spirit of the living God, thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. And thank you that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Help us to live in that, that truth. Every moment of every day that we have the, the, you, Holy Spirit, dwelling in us. And Father, we love you. You're a perfect Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So we receive all of it today, Lord, by faith. We put our hope in what you've promised. We trust you for, for today and tomorrow, Lord.
1: In Jesus' name, amen.